0: Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people. Remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather and we'll learn together. Welcome to After the Weather. I'm your host, Spencer Christian, and I've been really looking forward to meeting uh, today's guest. Uh, On this episode, we have the youngest person we've ever had on After the Weather, but he is no less accomplished and no less remarkable than any previous guest. He is 16-year-old high school student, Henry Lean from Mill Valley, California. Four years ago, as a bar mitzvah project, uh, Henry began teaching kids in a nearby community of immigrants to play chess. His project has now grown into an expansive chess charity called Chess Pals, and Henry's with me today. It's good to see you.
1: Good to be here, Spencer. Thank you. Oh,
0: thank you. I, uh, I've i met your parents, mm-hmm. and I have been to your temple, yeah. but I have not met you before. No, no, this
1: is an interesting first meeting spot.
0: <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. like a little, little sound booth yes. or recording podcasts. Um, why why chess? How did that become the, the center of your bar mitzvah project?
1: Well, I've always had that passion for chess. I've played since I was about four, I would say, and so I've played through middle school, through elementary school, gone to tournaments, state championships. Wow. So it's been, it's been a long journey, but I love the game. I love the strategy and the the planning that goes into it. And so I always knew it would be centered around chess, but the learning aspect was the thing that I really had to discover during the project.
0: Right. And now this was four years ago, right?
1: Yes. This was when I was 12 turning 13.
0: Right. So how did this develop into, how did you come up with the idea of teaching kids, especially kids in a many of whom don't speak English, right? Yes. Uh, how, yeah. t- teaching them chess.
1: So it was mainly because our temple, Rode of Shalom, partners with the school across the street. It's actually across the street. And that's an uh, initiative called Crossing the Street. And so oh, yeah. that school, Venetia Valley, is K through eight and primarily first generation families who many of them don't speak English. And so we've always had that partnership for different events. But chess was something that hadn't been introduced either at our temple or at that school. And so I thought might as well. And it was a really mm-hmm new experience for me, but I really enjoyed teaching the kids and some of it was in English, some of it was in Spanish, but it was all super enjoyable. And in that first year, we had seven, 10 kids about and so that was great. I loved wow. that. And we took them to a small tournament at the end of that year
0: and, wow. and started from there. Now you speak Spanish as well, right? Yes, my dad
1: yeah. speaks Spanish. And right. so I picked that up.
0: So you had no problem with the there was no yeah. language barrier. I, so. Yeah.
1: Some yeah. of the chess vocab I needed to pick up because I I'm used to playing chess in English. But besides <laughs> that, it's all good.
0: Now, how do the kids react? How receptive were they to learning this uh Rather complicated game.
1: I would say they actually reacted pretty well. I would say kids are, it's actually the best demographic to pick up chess because they learn so quickly and they're acclimated to the environment and the the patterns that the game holds. But I would say mainly, especially in the range that we taught, we taught from kindergarten to like fifth grade about. Wow. And so that's wow. a great age because if you get familiar with it, you pick it up and by middle school, you can already be a super experienced and advanced player. Yeah. So, I mean, they picked that up fabulously. But I mean, mm-hmm. the main thing was honestly the attention span. That's why our classes were fairly short, about 45 minutes. But in those 45 minutes, I tried to pack it as much as I could.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, kids do, t- well, not only young kids, even some older kids tend to have a short uh, attention span. Yeah, But it, it seems to me from from the article I read and from what you're telling me that they really kind of got into it after a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I We kind of have, or at least I kind of developed a philosophy that if we start with 10 kids, about five will drop out because they're not feeling it immediately. Yeah. And then from those five that are left, three might show up every other time. And then those two will be really dedicated. So as long as yeah. we have enough kids coming in at the top of the funnel, We'll get enough at the bottom, and that's kind of what we had. We had a lot of kids cycling through and through and through until those kids found their passion. Some of those kids, and then we took those kids and taught them through the year, September through June.
0: Yeah. Now you, this wasn't just this. This didn't remain just a a, a bar Mitzvah project for you. No. I mean, this became a part of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it expanded. And, <laughs> it grew. So, uh, how did that develop? How did it start to grow and expand, and all of a sudden, develop into a? It's, it it's now a, a what, uh, 501c3 yes. nonprofit charitable organization. We are in the process. The IRS <laughs> is, they're slow with
1: applications, but we're getting there. Yeah. But yes, so we ta- I taught Venetia Valley for two years, 2018 and 19, and then COVID hit, you know, stuff yeah. slowed down a lot. And so I moved all of my classes online. And so I taught all of those classes online for about a year or so. And then as schools moved back, I thought, okay, I can definitely expand this because one, the classes were, the students were kind of waning off because I mean, teaching online for that long, I have to get back in person. Sure. And so I got back in person at Venetia Valley and they put me in touch with the overarching after school, I guess you would call it an organization, BACR, who runs. A lot of the after school programs for the district of San Rafael and runs right. a lot of those. And so they handle those after school programs at Venetian Valley, but also at some neighboring schools. Mm-hmm. And the main one was Coleman. So that's also in San Rafael, a bit farther south, but I mean, five minutes. Yeah. So I got in touch with them. And then in that year, or what was that next year? So that was a year and a half ago, about I started teaching there as well. And right. so Then I branched out to those two schools and that's when I thought, okay, maybe I should get some teachers, like some of my friends who I know from playing chess and through the organization that taught me and the two people, Linette and Jeff Gordon, who ran almost all Marin chess activities. So I had a bit of a network from there. And so I reached out, got some people. And then from that, I started teaching at Coleman. It was just those two schools. And then at the end of last year yeah. so this was um, 2022 summer or 2022 like spring summer area BACR invited me to teach at the summer camp they run wow over the summer which is yeah. I believe like 300 kids about that area and so that was from all seven or six district schools that they come from and so I had a huge student base mm-hmm. and for that I really need to beef up my the amount of teachers i had so i had um one two three i had about five including myself teachers so yeah. we had 10 classes a week for five weeks
0: were all the teachers students or were some yes uh, yeah. all
1: students so the oldest we had was stephen was going to college so that was his summer before college he for the thrill
0: yeah and
1: then ryan was a year younger than me so a sophomore and a bit of that range so we had one sophomore myself who was a junior and then three seniors
0: how how was it getting the the schools involved because i know that schools can be bureaucratic establishments <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it is it, it's rough dealing with with schools but i mean they, they're so overwhelmed and it's it's i sympathize heavily with them but yes it's a lot of just checking in on this and bringing this back up over email and yeah so eventually because i i tried to email of the schools when i was initially expanding and that didn't work because I got through to them, but then they were so swamped. This was the middle of COVID and it just fell flat. Nothing on them, but just so much going on. So then I had to pretty much cold call. I just walked into their offices and asked for meetings. And that, that actually worked out fairly well. And so I got meetings with two schools that way. So I just have to walk in and, hi, I'm Henry, can I meet with your principal? And so, um, yeah. I love it, I love that, it. Yeah, but schools, I mean, there's a lot going on, especially most of these schools don't have as robust after school programs as other ones do. So we're providing a fairly large, not a fairly large, but a decent part of their after school programs coming from us. So
0: I, lo- I love that hopeful, um, confident approach. Uh, you know, I mean, what do you have to lose, right? The worst that can happen is they'll say, we're not interested. Yeah. Or Henry, who? <laughs>
1: no, that, that happened a lot. I mean, I would say a lot of it is. They don't even know who I am, which I mean is a given. Right. But they just look at me confused, and a couple of times they thought I was a student. Yeah. And so <laughs> I have to clarify this, and yeah. and then make sure. Oh, I'm teaching chess, and this is how I'm I would organize the program, and I think we have a partnership that could be potentially beneficial to both of us. And then they come around to it eventually, and then you get the meeting, and then right. at the end of the meeting, they're like, oh yeah, this is yeah. great.
0: Now, how so, do you how do you turn all that into a charity, into something that actually raises money that helps deserving people.
1: Yeah, so the main the main way we do it is one, we're teaching these classes, right? So we have students, experienced chess players from the Marin and hopefully in the future, greater chess scene, teaching these classes to kids who's never taught before. We're providing the boards, the curriculum, the materials, all of that. And then when we take them to tournaments, like we did with our summer camp kids, we took them to a tournament up North at Hamilton mm-hmm. um, with a fellow chess director that I know from the city. And we had a tournament. We took 12 kids up there, I believe. Wow. And so we pay for transportation registration with the Chess Federation of the U.S., USCF. And so, one, it's just paying for all those costs. And two, it's just facilitation of just general chess in the area. So I just ironically this morning had a meeting with Vivillon or stop as it was formerly known, in Center Fell, who runs senior programming and senior centers. So and they're interested. They reached out to have a program with their seniors and potentially have their seniors teach my classes. Wow. And so because, again, it's a very small demographic of high school students who want to teach, who know how to play chess, who are interested. So I'm running out of teachers in the area. And so (laughs) seniors could be a new avenue or expanding, which I hope to do into the East Bay or the South Bay. Is the other way that I could scale this to a greater aspect and maybe turn it national, if possible.
0: This could be really great for the seniors in so many ways, especially helping maintain their mental acuity. You know. Yes,
1: no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the seniors are also looking for just connection, and that yeah. provides a great thing. And another thing that was posed was just having the seniors come in at lunch and not teach, just play with the kids, just play chess with them. And that's right. a bonding activity for both of them.
0: Now, in addition to uh, being an experience learning chess, an experience that you know helps the kids develop a sense of discipline and uh, strategic skills and all that. What else does it do for them? Does it help develop skills or disciplines that are useful in other aspects of life?
1: I would say chess is, uh, it may sound cliche, but a universal pathway to most aspects of life. It's critical thinking, strategy, planning, preparation. And it's just all of the above, which is chess. But when we're having these classes, it's also just bonding. So these are older students, like senior figures, not seniors, like older people, but just like in students, in a student sense. But these are people who have academic rigor and are Mm. like academically focused, who can one, guide the kids through chess, but also just through their school life. Yeah. And so, me personally, I'm not sure about my other teachers, but I've stayed over after my chess lesson to help them with math. So <laughs> it's kind of just turning into an advisory thing <laughs> sometimes. So
0: yeah, you could you could be the student advisor. Yeah. I, I I thought you might be doing some of that as well. It go you know, from chess to being a a, a, men, a not a mentor, a tutor in, yeah, a, in other yeah. areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just wondering what your path will be like over the next five years or so your academic path your career path your personal path where where are you looking to go with your life
1: (laughs) well i mean i'm a junior so hoping to go to college you know just starting that application process and going to college but the main thing is that hopefully the charity can function without me it can succeed without my immense oversight <laughs> and so that's the goal in the near future i have about a year and a half until i fully graduate go off to college i mean if yeah. we count summer maybe a year and three fourths but
0: yeah um have you picked a college yet oh, all yeah. right <laughs> have you picked options <laughs> um,
1: i'm hoping to go to stanford it's where my dad went and i really like the culture and the one location but two just the classes that are offered and i think that'd be super interesting but I'm just hoping to go anywhere. You know, obviously, it's a very selective process. So, doing my best. But well,
0: you—you are—you're clearly a very bright young guy with, um, you know, a sense of—I I don't know—wanting um, to give to your local community and beyond. And that's that's so admirable, but you are part of a much maligned generation, uh, perhaps unfairly, but so many people, you know, even just a generation um, removed from you, look at your generation as just being a bunch of kids who look for the next opportunity to put a reel on TikTok, <laughs> which, which obviously is unfair, but it does apply to many young people. Um, how unfair is that? I mean, tell, tell me about your peers and and your friends and you know their sense of commitment to important causes.
1: Yeah, I would say that. I mean, each generation is going to have those negative stereotypes, those negative yeah. connotations with them. But I, we do have a great generation. I mean, aside from TikTok and Instagram and whatever, everyone has a big commitment and maybe this is just anecdotal from people I've met, but everyone really does have something going on, whether it's working at the food bank or I have a friend who just raised $250,000 for leukemia and he's at New York at a wow. conference right now. And so everyone really does have that thing going on. It's just maybe they're not as loud about it as they could be. Yeah. So I think we're, we're doing our best as a generation. There are some <laughs> lows, but we have some highs too. I think.
0: <laughs> well, another thing that occurs to me is that Um, it certainly is part of Jewish culture and tradition uh, to be committed to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, social justice equality and things like that. And uh, of course, this was born initially as a, uh, a, uh, what was the project? Bar Mitzvah -mitzvah project. So, okay, this was born initially as a Bar Mitzvah project. So, I'm just wondering how much of that tradition that's part of the Jewish culture played into your decision to choose this as your as your focus?
1: I kind of did. So there's a a song, but also a saying in, in Judaism, but it's Lador vador, which is like passing down information or wisdom from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So, and this plays into the greater chess story, I guess, is Lynette. And as I said, Lynette and Jeff Gordon taught me, they ran chess for, I don't even know how many years before I was born, but they, everyone knew them who played chess in the area, they ran all the tournaments, all the teaching, everyone learned from them. And so when they actually retired over COVID, and so that motivated me even more, yeah. I knew they were retiring, so I could step in and teach because they were stopping, at least what I believe they were stopping most of their programming. And so I I thought I could step in. So that was passing it down from their generation to me and from me to the new kids coming in. And so there's that, but also just giving to people. That's A big part of Judaism is giving to those who not or even are less fortunate, but just aren't have the experiences that you have and sharing that either wisdom or experience or compassion with others. And so,
0: yeah. I, I'm very familiar with that. Uh, it's the old cliche. I'm not. I'm not going to say some of my best friends are Jewish. <laughs> Almost <laughs> all of my best friends are Jewish. <laughs> but uh, but I, I grew up uh, in the old segregated South mm. uh, during the time of Jim Crow segregation, and uh, of course I grew up during the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, most of those people who were not black who were in the Civil Rights Movement were Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, so I understood at an early age the commitment to, you know, uh, serving and to social justice and all that. And it's um, it's just something for which I have a great deal of respect and admiration. As nah. uh, so I, I want to say that without sounding uh, patronizing. <laughs> no, <that's right. laughs> of uh, so now uh, back to the young people, back to your generation. <laughs> uh, it's going to be up to your generation, I think, to save us from ourselves. Um, you know, I'm thinking about climate change. Yes. I have uh, grandsons who are seven and five years old. And I honestly worry uh, about whether this planet will be able to sustain life as we know it mm. when they're 40 or 50 years old. Uh, do you uh, find that many of your peers are as concerned about climate change as I am?
1: I would say they are. I'm not completely sure of your position, but they are, I would say a lot of them are very concerned. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in my again, we're going back to anecdotes, but in what I've seen at both of my schools, my middle school, Marine horizon and my high school branson is we've had these climate marches and at branson we have eac the environmental action club and so that's a a large club headed by some of the science department and so there's a lot of climate activism i would say and so it's very cautious and the shift to renewable energies rather than fossil fuels and the things just harming our our planet in general and so i yeah i have faith i have faith in that i would say that this generation my generation is a bit not too young because that is patronizing as well <laughs> but we don't have enough either connections power influence in the world to act on our beliefs and what we think is best but if we have time and if there's enough time i think we can i think we can do it i have All faith in us
0: well i i appreciate your uh, reinforcing my sense of hope but not too much yes, <laughs> uh yes. so it's been a pleasure having my, my brand new chess pal, Henry Lean, on, our, uh, on After the Weather. Uh, all the best to you in the future, Henry. Thanks no, for being with thank us you today. So much. And thank you for uh, joining this episode of After the Weather. We'll catch you next time. After the Weather is a product of ABC7. Be sure to subscribe. And if you liked our program, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.